We're coming to the end of our series on the Lord's Prayer. We've tried to go through each and every phrase of it in the same way that Mindy's gone through each of the phrases of the prayer uh, with the children. And, and so we come to this, this statement, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or deliver us from the evil one. I think one of the things that saying that statement does is it causes us to realize, to admit to ourselves that perhaps the evil one does exist in this world and, as it, and is doing things. It, it causes us to admit that the devil is at work in the world and the things that we see and the things that we experience and, and perhaps that causes a little bit of discomfort in our life. When we think about the evil one or the devil at work, we have any number of reactions that, uh, that take priority in our life or ways that we respond to that. And we're going we're gonna to talk just a little bit about that this morning. Uh, but first, let us go to our text this morning, which is Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through, uh, yeah, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Um, if you have your Bible, that will be on page 950 in the Black Bibles. Um, if you have a student Bible, those green ones, uh, students, that'll be on page 1467. So let us hear these uh, words from Ephesians chapter 6 from Paul. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And that's where we're going to end our reading this morning. There's a 20th century Chinese leader of the church. His name uh, is Watchman Nee. And uh, maybe if you remember from roughly three and a half years ago, we, when we went through the whole book of Ephesians, he himself wrote kind of a commentary, a small commentary on the book of Ephesians where he laid it out into three sections. He placed it in three sections. The first section is sit, where we are seated with Christ, where we are resting in his presence. The next is walk where we are walking among the earth as a living testimony to what Christ has done. And finally, the last one is stand. And this passage is where he begins that section. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We seek to take a stand against the devil's schemes. We seek to be rooted in Scripture that, that we can be delivered from him and those, those powers in the heavenly realms, those powers within this world, those powers 
who are affected by him, who are in uh, authority, those rulers. And if we remember from the catechism, though, the catechism said, by ourselves we are too strong. No, we are too weak. By ourselves, we are too weak to hold our own for even a moment. You know, I like to think that, you know, I could hold my own against somebody else, you know. And maybe, I don't know, we're not encouraging fighting, but I don't think I'd stand a chance. Typically, you don't put your money on some guy that's like 150 pounds and five foot six, right? And in the same way, when we consider evil, the powers of evil in the world, we are not some hulking six foot six, 250 pound muscle, you know, rippling muscle person. We're just this weak, incapable individual who can't even hold their own for 10 seconds, let alone anything longer. It's those sworn enemies the catechism talks about, the, the devil, the, the world, and our own flesh, those three things which never stop attacking us each and every day, each and every hour that we live. We need deliverance from the devil. When we want to stand against the work of the devil, we need deliverance from him, and, and we recognize that the spiritual forces of evil that are mentioned in verse 12 here are active and the, they're consistently working within the world. And, and one of the ways that we comfort ourselves is to, to minimize it, to, to kind of overlook the spiritual forces within the world. And we've, we've done it throughout history in a, a variety of ways. Uh, before I came here as pastor, I was working as the worship director of a church, and, and we went through our, our worship center, and we almost changed every single piece of technology. We put new projectors in, we had new computers, we had all of these new things, and we got it working perfectly during the week, and everything was working fine. I was working with a multiple uh, teams of volunteers. We'd run it through its paces every week, and every week it would come to Sunday morning and things wouldn't work the way they did during the week. One Sunday as these issues were, were happening, I, I tried to laugh it off. I said, well, you know, guys, there's just some gremlins in the system. And someone from that church came up to me afterwards and said, you're Pastor Steve. You had the opportunity to acknowledge the presence of evil who, who tries to keep his people from worshiping, who tries to keep people from worshiping the Lord and instead be focused on technology that wasn't working, and you, you laughed it off like it didn't even exist. N.T. Wright, when he considers the way we respond to evil, calls this method where we, we try to overlook it sweeping evil under the rug, acting like it's not present. And, and we've done it even, too, within the church in other ways, more globally. Maybe for those of you who are a little older than me, uh, you recall 
I don't have the baptism font up here, but baptism. And within baptism in the liturgy, that's the words that we, we say during a baptism, there used to be this section where we would renounce the works of the devil. But over time, it seems that we have thought that that language somehow seems to be archaic and and doesn't seem to be something that we need to do to renounce the work of the devil. And just slowly, we lift up that rug and we slide the presence, the spiritual presence of the devil under it. But the reality is God does not encourage us to ignore the work of the devil. When we are asking to be delivered from those three areas where we experience evil, we we don't overlook the devil because in, in Scripture we've seen and perhaps even read about what the devil has done over the course of biblical history. We see in Genesis chapter 3, perhaps you remember how the serpent was crafty and, and came to Adam and Eve and caused them to, to just invite them to disobey God. In 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1, we read about how Satan, the devil, was the instrument that causes David to go astray. In the book of Job, we see the accuser, the accuser who, who speaks with God and says, well, let me have my way with Job, and, and he, will, he will not profess your name anymore. In the Gospel of Matthew, if we move to the New Testament, Jesus, we see, was right after his baptism led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And then again, in in Luke chapter 13, it was Jesus who healed a a lady. And and what Scripture says there is that she had been bound by Satan for those previous 18 years. The devil is concretely, we can read, working within the pages of Scripture, and, and therefore we can assume that he is working here today as well. In the book of 1 Peter, I don't know if I have this up here. Yep. I won't do it anymore. There we go. It says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Here it says, Be alert. Don't sweep it under that rug. But we don't just need deliverance from this one, the devil, who's prowling around like a lion. The Catechism says we need deliverance from the world itself. I think sometimes it's a little too easy to look back on the history within the world and see the presence of evil we see just in one area, if we think about relationships and the different ways we've seen 
issues in the world relation, uh, related to relationships. Scripture says that Christ came to break down the dividing walls of hostility, but if we look throughout a course of our history, it seems like we're really good at building up the dividing walls of hostility. We see evil in the dividing walls in the historical caste system in India, creating and saying that there are certain people who are untouchable, and limiting interactions between these different castes, creating the jobs that they can have and occupy. We see it in the devaluing of human life that we saw in the caste system, but also is in the disregard for the native inhabitants of North America. We see it in slave ownership and using people for personal gain and seeing people as property. We see evil in the systems of segregation known as apartheid in South Africa and also the systems of segregation that were here in America. The laws that were created to put people in their places, or so to speak. We can see evil in, in the one that everyone goes to, which is an atrocity, the, the Jewish concentration camps. We could see, too, evil in the camps that America started for the people of Japanese heritage during the World War. Deliverance. We need, we need deliverance from that history of the world, but also the way that history stretches into the present day. Just uh, a couple weeks ago, President Biden mentioned a population of people that we had talked about in our series, Work on Work and Worship, the Uyghur population of China and the atrocities that is happening there to those individuals. Sometimes it's easy to to think about the evil that's in the world when it's always at that arm's reach, always in history or, or always on the other side of the world. But what happens when we consider what's here maybe right in our backyard? When we consider we need deliverance from racial profiling. We need deliverance from continued corruption here in our world. I just read an article about a corrupt airport uh, individual. He, over the course of years, took $6 million in bribes, and this was just in Detroit. Uh, he, he then decided to, to skip out on the beginning of his sentence, and now they're searching for him. We need deliverance from that type of evil and corruption which seems to continue right in our own backyards. When we think about all the evil, all the evil that has happened in the past and all the evil that's present today, it can lead us to the second problem we can have in a response to evil. And that's just feeling overwhelmed. Evil is so prevalent in this world, it's, it's, it's 
right here and we can see it and, and we have no power over it and so we just live a defeated life thinking that there is nothing that we can do to stop the power of the devil and the evil that he brings in the world. But the truth is, God does not call us to live as defeated people. We do not hold a position in this world that we believe our adversary, the devil, has such a grip in the world that we and our God can do nothing about it. We do not have this woe is me feeling. We don't talk about the powers of evil or the devil as if he is insurmountable. We talked about evil as far as the devil, evil in the world, and the next one is even closer to home, not just in our backyard, but in ourselves. The Catechism talks about how we are being consistently um, affected by the old nature that is within us. We call that old nature that constantly clings to us, our old self. It's that old self before, before you met Christ, before Christ united himself to you and, and created this new person that's desiring to, to live in a different way. Watchman Nee, he would say that Satan's primary object isn't to get you to sin, but to make it easy for you to do so. He works to get us off that ground where we're seated with Christ and we're walking as a living testimony of what he's done in our life. He tries to get us off that place so that we don't take a stand. That instead, we, we find it an easy way, an easy way to sin, an easy way to to let those footholds of our old self somehow spring up in our new life. You can think of some footholds as addictions, like drugs or alcohol, and we may say, well, you know, those aren't really things that I do. But the destructive patterns and the bad habits that that Satan can work in our own life to make it easy to sin don't necessarily have to be those. They can be those slow, bad habits that form over the course of a lifetime. The, the times where we continue to not get enough sleep. This might sound odd, but those destructive habits that are not good for our bodies. We decide not to go to sleep and get the adequate rest that we need, and, and then in the morning we somehow always wake up irritable. I've heard people say before, I'm not quite sanctified before 7 in the morning, or 9 in the morning, 10 in the morning. I'm not my most sanctified self. Those times where we're not our most sanctified selves, 
it often happens, at least in, in my life, when I'm exhausted. When I, when I feel like I've, I've given all of my energy, I feel like I've, I've given everything I have, and, and I don't have anything left. I've heard other pastors say, I'm, I'm not my most sanctified self Sunday afternoon. And I think maybe that's the case with me, too where I'm tired and exhausted and, and perhaps more prone to, to temptation, more prone that Satan's working on me to make it easy to sin, to have that selfish nature inside of myself bubble up to the top where I just want to eat a whole pizza and watch TV for the rest of the afternoon and not have any one of my five kids or wife just talk to me. No, just let me be by myself. Sometimes I think we wouldn't say that was the evil that constantly clings to us. We would kind of brush that off. Well, that's just you taking care of yourself. But when we think of those things, those destructive habits, they don't do anything to bring us the rest that Christ desires. While eating a whole pizza in the moment might feel very good, it doesn't honor the body that God gave me or provide energy to continue on the day. While perhaps resting some time and giving your mind a break by watching TV for a small portion of your time, spending hours and hours on TikTok or Instagram reels or or Netflixing the whole day doesn't probably do much to restore the energy and your ability to follow God throughout the day. When we think about these destructive patterns within our life, really what we, what we need is God to deliver us from them by, by helping us make a plan for for what we're going to do when we're faced with those things. It was something I, I heard in a, a conference recently from uh, one pastor that, that when you make a plan for those times where you know that you're, you're prone to, to, to temptation, even if those are the things that you really don't want to be doing, if, if you made the plan, then, then you're going to stick to that and and not let that old nature bubble up as it did before. That instead of eating that entire pizza and wanting no one to communicate with you, maybe instead you'll, you'll take some time to do something that will restore your soul and push you closer to Christ instead of down the path where it's easier to sin. Easier to sin and, and being slowly led away from the Lord. Deliverance. We need, we need deliverance from the devil, deliverance from the world, and deliverance from our old nature. And 
And there's one place in Ephesians here that tells us where we get that power. In the New International Version, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And that sounds good, but I think that the Bible that we give our students when they turn third grade actually actually translates this be strong a little bit better because it's a passive word. And so that says, finally, let the Lord make you strong. Kind of goes back to that image that we don't hold our own for a moment. And if I say, be strong, it makes us You know, maybe we need to go work out more. I need to pump some iron so that I'm strong, so I can can get through these temptations and these things, so that for a moment maybe I can, you know, hold my own against the devil of the world and in myself in those schemes. But instead, no, it's it's that we need to let the Spirit enter us and that we, we rely on God's power, not our own, to allow us. To make it one day, one hour, against the temptations of the devil and the world in our ourself. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We are asking the Lord to make us strong in those situations. And it's God who delivers us from temptation by way of his strength. Elsewhere in the New Testament, uh, Paul writes that uh, he delights in his weakness. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say that. I delight in my weakness. But for Paul, when, when he delighted his weakness, it caused him to marvel more and more at the strength of God and the power of the Spirit within his life. He would go on to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. Strong not in and of himself, but strong through God's power within him. In our humble acknowledging that we cannot handle even for a moment on our own, the temptation of the devil, the world, in our own nature. We're reminded of Christ's power and the power that God has brought within us. Philippians Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, For God is working in you giving you the desire, not of that old nature, but giving you the desire, and not only the desire, but the power then to do what pleases Him so that that we would not be held captive by Satan or the world or our old nature, but that we could marvel in the power of God in our life, in our ability to do what pleases Him, living lives of righteousness. And that's where it begins, I think, when we pray, 
that we not be led into temptation and that we be delivered from evil. It starts in us, in our own life as we daily renounce the work of the devil and and lay down and lay aside our old selfish nature that we may become more and more like the image of Christ. That in those times we are exhausted, instead of looking to selfish desires, we we instead move to God-honoring ones. Because we know God's given us that sound mind and that power to lay aside that selfish nature. I wonder what what are those times? Where are those, those times in your life where that old nature bubbles up? That old nature bubbles up almost to the point where you feel like that's just the way you are. But in, instead, God doesn't desire that old nature to be in your life. He desires something else. He desires you to be delivered from whatever that thing is, whatever those times are, that you may rest in the freedom and the power of Christ instead of not holding your own for a moment. And then after, after we've invited God to work in our lives, we, we begin to, to, to look out into the world and to pray for that deliverance in those areas that, that we see have need. We pray for deliverance from the powers of evil that work in perhaps us and, and our friends and create complacency. We pray for deliverance from those who use their positions of power for personal gain. We pray for deliverance from corruption. We pray for deliverance from injustice and racial divisions. We pray for deliverance from pride, from anger. We pray deliverance from the the evil one's work in genocide and war. We pray for deliverance from arrogance. We pray for deliverance from the forces of evil from each and every one of them that get in the way of God's kingdom of justice being realized more fully here in this world. We pray for deliverance that contributes to racism and hatred and suspicion of our brothers and sisters. We pray for deliverance from all things that somehow make this world's grim reality in front of us. All the forces in this world that that cause us to lull ourselves and others into places of that old nature. Those things that cause us to lull ourselves into a feeling of, well, this is just as good as this world is going to get. We pray that God would deliver us from an acceptance of this world as normal when he has 
something so much greater that we learned about before, that he wants his kingdom to be fully realized here on earth, just as it is in heaven. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we pray for deliverance. Deliverance from the work of the devil. We pray deliverance from the work of the world and the work of the old self within us. Our prayer is that by your power, your spirit would be within us, strengthening us for the battle. That we would be strengthened in such a way that we could stand up to the temptations of the devil just as Watchman Nee wrote about. And just as we read about here in chapter 6 of Ephesians. Work within us that we would not gain, become complacent in our lives. That we would not be arrogant thinking sin does not affect us. And that we would not be cold-hearted to others' experiences of evil in the world. Deliver us, we pray. Amen.